Hey guys, welcome to The Debrief. We just finished our episode with Richard Turin with his book, Cashless. Uh, David, I've read this thing almost thoroughly. I had like skimmed the last uh, few chapters because I, I ran out of time before this conversation. Um, just a very thorough explanation of uh, China's central bank digital currency. And that, that episode was an incredibly thorough expose on like what's going on here. Um, I want to start with that first point that you raised and we talked about in the intros. Like, okay, here's something maybe crypto has to reckon with. Central bank digital currency has done something, at least in China, and by central bank digital currency, I'm talking about like the version one manifestation of it, in right. addition to like the version two, which we talked about right. the podcast. The prepubescent version. Yeah, the prepubescent version. The <laughs> like, yes. Now, now it's going through puberty, I guess, and it's coming mm -hmm. into adulthood. But um, it's it's done a lot of banking the unbanked, right? right. Uh, that that um, I think crypto has promised. So that's maybe some good that it's done. Um, Reckon with that. Like, what's mm -hmm. what? What's your take on on that? Because this is a very. I mean, there there is a tendency in crypto to be like a oh, central bank digital currency, evil, like right. state control. Uh, why would anyone want why, that? Why would anyone want that? Um, this is the way it's right. it's cryptocurrency. So, like, what's your take on that? Is that something that we have to reckon with? Yeah, I, I think people think that crypto is going up against the dollar. And it's going against the U.S. financial system. I don't think that's true. After listening to Richard, I think the real battle is convincing people who are using Chinese very nice, very upgraded, very sleek and sexy CBDC that they should actually be using crypto instead. I think that's the much bigger battle that we are going to have to face. Uh, it's so easy, at least in my opinion, it's so easy to go back to the U.S. financial system and talk about how antiquated banks are and how we're still writing checks and how they haven't done any innovation in financial services or payments. And when you look at DeFi versus the United States financial system, oh, it's night and day. And it's, it's almost a matter of time until that thing just falls apart and everyone just uses DeFi. So like as when we, Ryan, when you and I call like the Federal Reserve, like the final boss, that's that final boss is 300 years old and decrepit that's <laughs> he's like he's gonna fall over by himself like yeah. it's just a matter of time the real boss is convincing the people of the east who are generally more accepting of top-down authoritarian control and don't really care so much as as with regards to censorship that they want to migrate away from their very sleek 500,000 tps uh, currency system into crypto that is the wild west i think that's going to be a much harder fight to fight and that is something that i'm now coming to terms with after listening to richard yeah yeah look man uh so many thoughts to unpack like one is all of the things we could have um pushed back on richard or asked him mm -hmm. about had we had time i think in that episode we were just like listening to what he had to say but like right. one is this point okay so um protocol sync thesis like we, we've talked about the protocol sync thesis so many times on Bankless, which is basically the idea that the most credibly neutral mm -hmm. protocol will fall to the base layer of things. Why? Because everybody can trust that. It is neutral. Right. It is unbiased. It is like the most uh, credible thing on which to build on top of, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're pay playing games of, of geopolitics and you're trying to figure out um, what... Uh, you know, currency or what um, blockchain tech or settlement layer to build on, right? Answer me this. 
why would you choose to build on China's central bank digital currency and it's like blockchain network that is coming? It's like, if I'm the US, hell no, I'm not right. building on that thing. Why? Right. Because China's got a backdoor, the Chinese government has a backdoor, the ability to censor, the ability to close down uh, accounts. That can work domestically fine if you're a Chinese citizen. You're already part of the the state apparatus. Like to Richard's point, like no getting out of it. He's already there. Like what other choice does he have? He said at one point he really doesn't have another choice if he wants to live a life in in China, right? But if you're the U.S., you're not going to build on that. If you're right. any country that doesn't want to be subject to um, all of the centralization and and like power that this gives, um, like the Chinese government then you, you probably don't want to build on top of that, right? This goes against the pr protocol sync thesis. What, what are your thoughts on that argument? Yeah, I'm not sure the protocol th uh, sync thesis extends back out to the land of nation states. Um, in the land of nation states, it's kind of more of the uh, superpower sync thesis where you want, as a smaller country, you want to be tapped into the world's largest economy that we've seen. Uh, you know, countries in uh, South America, uh, you dollarize, right? In some African countries as well, they dollarize because uh, they export some of the, just the uh, bureaucracy and, and management of uh, the managing a currency stability. to the United States. Yeah. Stability, uh, tap into the trade routes, trapped, tap into NAFTA, all those things. I'm not sure how related that is to the currency, but I'm just beside the point. Uh, all the countries in the East, uh, also many African countries in, in Southeast Asia are doing the same thing, but with China. Uh, and they are just tapping into the economic engine that is the, the Chinese economy and the Chinese uh, yuan. And now it's becoming even easier to tap into the digital yuan because it's more like, like uh, Richard said, uh, I, I think that the uh, Chinese central bank digital currency is more or less a permissionless system, as in you can have a phone and receive uh, digital, uh, digital yuan right then and there. Uh, I, mean, I would imagine at the scale of countries, it would need to be a little bit more complex and a little bit more integrated. But if the Chinese economy is doing the absolute mountain of economic activity that Richard said it, it was, which is orders and multiple orders of magnitude larger than what's going on in, in the West, as a country, you would want to build on top of that. So no, it's not the protocol synthesis in the land of nation state meat space. It's the land of let me tap into the rest of the, the the circulating value of the world so I can capture some of that circulating value for myself. I think your argument is if you're a smaller country, you essentially become like Richard, where like you need to be part of that economy. So you kind right. of like co-opt you kind of like are forced to mm -hmm. do this thing right. in, you know, China. You need to use it to trade. Currency. And, and it's, it's interesting because like um, we don't yet live in a multi polar world, I think, although like China is increasing in a global influence and power, and it certainly exceeded the US as sort of an exporter and, and trading partner for a lot of countries. It's not, it's still not the reserve currencies, like 2% uh, of central banks hold the RMB, right? And like 60% um, of uh, central banks hold US dollars, right? So it hasn't quite met the, the reserve currency status, but it is like gaining on the US in that direction. So if you are a, a country, you kind of like, you can be part of the, 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 the China, China's economic apparatus and a payment system and, and currency system or the US's. And those are your two options. I guess you could do um, the European as well. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also this third choice, David, which is like, 
none of the above, right? This is kind of like the, the early El Salvador choice of like, screw you, China, screw you, US. Like, I do want the credibly neutral money, mm. right? Which is the third way, which is, which is essentially cryptocurrency, right? right. Like, why get your bank in a, in, in, in a box from another nation state if you can get your bank fr- like platform from, from cryptocurrency and it's credibly neutral and just kind of delivers you value and you don't have to like bend the knee to a nation state's monetary policy, like their whims, their censorship, um, uh, their, their, their censorship, like all of the things that that entails. So it, it feels like there's going to be multiple paths countries can take, but at the end of the day, probably only two, either pick your nation state or um, go into cryptocurrency, right? And mm-hmm. uh, those are maybe the two options. So I don't know when you would choose one or the other, but um, I do think I do think that part of this con- like part of this um, podcast for me was like a reckoning with the fact that um, nation states are going to have a lot to offer, and right. not the Fed, right? The Fed isn't going to have much more to offer than it's already offered, but um, I mean, he was talking about smart contracts in like China's central bank digital currency apparatus. Imagine you had like basically Binance chain, Mm -hmm. right? Only governed and executed by like WeChat, Alipay and China's central government and backed by the full economic power of, Mm -hmm. of China. Right. And like crypto has to contend with that. Mm Mm-hmm kind of scary right Right. uh that's kind of why i think the el salvador adopting bitcoin is actually going to be an anomaly long term because there's always there's going to be the option to adopt a central bank digital currency uh and uh, as as we know uh central banks like their power they like to have their hands on the dials and tools and central bank digital currencies allow them to keep their hands on the on those dials right that it's it's keeps them in the the same arena as they always were but with a little bit more superpowers um that being said i feel like there might be just a a conversation around network effects that might be worthwhile to have just because if china's central bank digital currency gets out the door so fast so quickly and uh the the reason why smart contracts are taking so long to get rolled out with china's central bank digital currency so long as in like three more years from now is likely because of how complicated smart contracts are, right? Turing completeness leads to bugs. Um, and so there will be like, you know, quote unquote exploits or bugs in uh, the Chinese central bank digital currency due to the nature of its smart contracts, just like there are with any smart, smart contracts anywhere. And so what that means is that Chinese, because China is going to get its smart contracts rolled out first, likely like perhaps almost a decade ahead of any other country, maybe not that long, but pretty, pretty long. Think of how much is going to be built on China's smart contracting layer. There's going to be so much built that it's going to have its own central bank network effects, which is something also kind of scary. Well, let me ask you this, though. So um, there is a difference between something that is open and permissionless like Ethereum cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. and something that is permissioned and gated, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like... um, like the difference between the internet and like the closed garden of AOL, right? Right. And like right. the internet naturally fosters all of the innovation, 
right? Like, like I know Richard Point was like, uh, hey, China is leading here. It's not copying the West. Right. But actually, China is copying cryptocurrency, mm. isn't it? And even right. with smart contracts, it's copying the innovation that was birthed in the open source, like free market of this internet movement. And right. so my, my, my question or my counter is like, maybe the power of, um, of crypto is that as an open permissionless platform, mm -hmm. anyone in the world can build on. I don't mm -hmm. think you're going to get that. I think you're going to get something like a bit more like AOL closed garden from China's central bank digital currency. Now, maybe they could flex their muscles and like they've got talented uh, developers. They've got, you know, big tech companies that like that's still a large sandbox to play in, but it's not as large as kind of the open permissionless world where somebody in like India who's, you know, 14 mm -hmm. years old can write a smart contract app and it's like the next Uniswap, you know, that's like a different totally. feat. Totally. Yeah. Openless permissionless systems push, pushes innovation out to the periphery out to the fringes right and that allows for more total innovation to happen but also if there's one thing that china the china big tech has been able to do is to copy and iterate and move faster. quickly yeah move, not not faster and because like it'll still quick, in, yeah. in, in theory in theory the, the 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 theory about pushing innovation to the edges is that the literally the fastest way forward you can't go any faster than that um but like i said china's big tech is ruthlessly competitive and not not slow in the slightest. Uh, and so it's really a question of how much faster will crypto be than the Chinese bank digital currency? Will it be 10 years faster, four years faster, two years faster? Like, I think it could be in the realm of, I mean, just gut take. I think it could be in the realm of just like maybe two years faster once the, once the smart contract application layer gets into the hands of some of the big tech firms that, that are in China. I think that's about, about right. It does, it does feel like from this conversation, right? So something struck me is like a couple of, t a few times, maybe it's like two or three times, uh, Richard uh, came back and he said like, and all thanks to the innovators right. in uh, cryptocurrency who actually thought this thing up, right? And like, thanks guys. But it was kind of, we'll take it from here, right? Like we've right. got this covered mm -hmm. and now, you know, the cryptocurrency thing will be this niche, but the the banking, the unbanked will now happen with central bank digital currencies. And something I think about that struck me. It's like, one, I feel like just as cryptocurrency is underestimating what China is doing with central bank digital currencies and centralized solutions, I do also feel like we didn't have this conversation, but Richard is underestimating the power of Ethereum decentralized finance and uh, open innovation, right? That's happening in cryptocurrency. So I don't know if he's seen that world yet. Um, I would love to kind of like have that conversation mm -hmm. with him about that world because I do think that, you know, probably both perspectives are underappreciating the other yes. uh, a little bit more. And like th his perspective made me appreciate the competition that's going to come mm -hmm. from central bank digital currencies. But I still feel like, you know, uh, don't count cryptocurrency out, man. Don't count DeFi out. Don't count right. Ethereum out. Um, you know, I, I I think that is going to be still the winning platform. Like I'm not, I guess I'm, I see the competition, but I'm not scared of it. Right. Well, I mean, there's always going to be some cohort of the world that will refuse to build on top of China, right? Like literally all Bitcoiners, for example, 
and a large, very large part of the Ethereum cohort. Um, it's really a matter of how how far does that scale, right? Like how many people in the world are willing to. But Richard thinks that's a niche, David. That's the I mean, it is like, oh, the gold bugs will be that. So yeah. I don't, I think I, so I think that there's a very real case that um, the U.S. says, for instance, hey, our blockchain strategy mm-hmm. is Ethereum. Mm. And our way forward is like, who Regulated will say that though? Coins first. Who is, is there a specific person that will say that, or will that just kind of be the air? I, I of the think it'll area? look. It's kind of happening right now. Like there's over a hundred uh, billion dollars in uh, stable coins, right? Right on Ethereum right, right. now. It's so there's no federal way. regulator. There's no central bank that's going to be like, our Ethereum is our strategy. It's just going to happen. I don't think it'll be Ethereum as our strategy. I think it's just going to happen over time. It's like, right. you know, the federal government's right. adoption of the internet, right? Like, yeah, but won't I, that just be as a result of of the fact that the United States never actually did a central bank digital currency because they were too lazy and they sat on their hands? I, I guess I would say so. Although if they're smart, they mm-hmm. don't do so. They're, they're, I, still, I still feel like there's three options, right? There's option one, which is status quo, do nothing, okay? Mm-hmm. Option two is they go copy China, central bank digital currency. Option three is they're like, we're not going to copy China. We're going to use uh, crypto as our rails and deploy mm-hmm. our central bank digital currency on something like Ethereum or crypto, right? Mm-hmm. So if it, if it turns into option one, status quo, um, okay. I think still like crypto will innovate and bring stable coins onto its platform as long as the US doesn't like squelch the industry and choke it out and strangle the baby right. in its crib. Um, so that's like, that's one potential. I would love to see option three though, where they just like somebody in Congress is like, Hey, we should be really supportive of cryptocurrencies. Like this is our path forward using something like Ethereum is our path forward to actually having a competitive, uh, currency monetary strategy Mm -hmm. in 21st century where you use open source technology. Um, I feel like option two, where they go copy China, develop their own is not something that the U.S. federal government can pull off. No. <laughs> so, no do, do you remember when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was pulled into court about uh, Libra? You remember yeah. what he said to them? Pulled into like like congressional sessions and such. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh huh. I are you are you gonna say like he said? Yeah. He talked about China, the threat. Yeah. He's like, if you guys don't let me build out Libra, China's gonna beat you to it. Yeah. And that scared them a little bit. And turns out that was exactly right. Uh, and and so um. I feel like to some degree, DeFi and Ethereum Ethereum is kind of the United States' only choice. It's the only meaningful choice they have. No, 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 because because Zuckerberg was like, hey, here's my hand across the aisle. Just shake it, right? Deal with the devil. They're not going to do that. No, no. They have to do, okay, uh, granted, they have to do one or the other. Um, that's their other They're, option though. That this is what right. so what China did was basically like, okay, fintech, you can grow super big and we'll just regulate you as a bank. Like mm-hmm. the US could do that with Facebook and Google and Apple and Amazon. And like I don't know how much larger they'd get, David, but like they would be super companies. Right. Uh and right. allow them to if basically you could have an account bank. balance on Amazon. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, if, if Facebook plus um, WhatsApp, you know, integrated and created the equivalent of WeChat and exported that and that was, and, and the U.S. said, 
hey, uh, our, our monetary um, status, reserve currency status is so important. We're going to team up with our big tech asset companies and mm -hmm. export this to the world, right? Mm -hmm. that, that would be the deal with the devil that, the, that they're making. Right. right. You know who I want to get Richard Turn in a room with? Rohan who? Gray. Oh, God. You think that would I think they'd be on the same page. I think they would. Yeah, I think they would. I think it'd be it would, but it would be a really interesting conversation, because you know Rohan would would be coming in at it from the American side of things. I'd like to I'd like to see what Rohan would have to say after he listens to this episode. I think maybe I'll bring him and ask. You should. I think he'd like to emphasize like privacy. That was very important to him. Right. But I think they'd be on on the same page with a lot of things. I guess. What we didn't talk about, Dave, in this episode is um, the long tail risk of all of this. Okay. So, yes, you are banking the unbanked through your central mm -hmm. bank digital currency. Um, but at what cost to future individual sovereignty? Right. Um, so, having the government with the ability to essentially right take a whole side of the population it doesn't agree with politically and mm -hmm. just delete their account Accent. balances. Right. Hey, or, or inflate away their monetary system. Right. And like, just create, Oh yeah. Sorry. Now all your money's digital. You mm -hmm. don't like we're, we're imposing a negative 5% interest rate on all digital currency. Uh, so sorry. And by the way, there's capital control. So you can't flee into other assets like crypto. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, this is not a good thing right. from a long tail risk perspective. It puts all of the eggs in the, I trust the nation state basket. And, um, you know, for, for a country that has like an authoritarian bent, like China, like to me, that's like terrifying to me, this is right. like potentially also dystopian, right. right? Like, uh, I see a ton of long tail risk there to some degree. There's no power that China has that the United States also doesn't have. Like freezing bank accounts are also an American thing. Grant, granted, there's a court system. So that is in in United States that China doesn't, or I, I don't know if I'm just kind of speaking without too much knowledge about China, but like China can, can more or less do whatever it wants. But with this Chinese CBDC, it can do what it wants with regards to censorship or you know blocking payments or whatever, much more surgically and much more quicker uh, than in a traditional, than either with the banking system that the United States currently has or what I'm guessing the, the whatever system the Chinese had before well, the CBDC. Time, David, it could tie it to your social right. credit system. It could be like, right. you know, uh, you said right. this thing in your Programmable censorship. Mm. Yeah, and so like, oh, you know, sorry, we're, we're not gonna allow you to buy this, um, this ticket to the right. Metro, right? Because right. like you're now, quarantined in this right. like, section of, of you the are city. not allowed to buy metro tickets between the hours of you know 8 p.m to 6 a.m until know, you improve so. your social credit score right, right? by like right. i don't know doing that. i i, I get, it's all dystopian stuff and there, i guess there's no question about it that the like um western democracies could take mm -hmm. like a similar a similar route but like mm -hmm. this is the case for cryptocurrency this is right. why we need an alternate monetary system that's not putting all the eggs in the, the nation state basket. So it does go back to our argument with Rowan Gray, David. It's like, you know, that was our argument with him. Like, but, right. but if we do this thing, 
um, we're putting all of our trust in the nation state. And like, <laughs> are you sure? sure? Are you sure that's a good idea? One interesting thing, when you asked about the risks, where my mind actually went to is um, the fact that uh, in, in our notes that you, I see that you, when you were reading the book and you got further, much further into the book than I did, you had three centers. You have central processing centers of the Chinese bank digital currency. You have the verification center for KYC, the registration center, and the big data analysis center. Uh, and so these are the things that make the CBDC tick along with connect the infrastructure to the rest of, of China. If they are centers, are they not also center point of failures? Like if they are actual central places, or maybe that's not, not one, but there are probably only going to be a few. Those, do those centers of physically instantiating Chinese, the Chinese like, you know, eye of sorrow and central bank digital currency into one physical spot, that is a point of attack, right? That's a high value target that has a physical footprint in the real world. And the main difference between crypto and this is that crypto doesn't have that by definition the whole point is that it's decentralized that's what decentralization is and so i go i'm if this is actually the way that this plays out where there are just a few physical places inside of china that are integral to the functioning of the cdc cbdc that becomes an extremely high value target for any interested party to put its eyes on yeah, absolutely. I, I do think it's a you know critical point of, of failure, right? So like uh, if you had an enemy or some sort right. of nefarious hacker, like maybe maybe that's a threat. But it's it's also a critical point of control too, right? So if you like expand the definition of failure to be like, you know, corruption failure in mm-hmm. your uh, your mm-hmm. government, your authoritarian right. government, where it's just like a few people in power calling the shots and subjecting that the population right. to their control it's also a point of failure from that perspective that crypto mm. doesn't have like he he said at one point that hey uh kyc is coming for crypto right right um what do you think about that yeah i i think if we if the crypto industry does come into like mainstream adoption it's going to be with like some sort of just like training wheels version of crypto that's like kyc um if we actually scale this industry out to billions of people there's going to be like institutions holding your hand and those and that hand holding process is going to be a kyc process to some degree that's going to be how we scale this industry out to as many people as we want it to there's like forms of kyc right it's like there's like um there's a requirement to have kyc on the base layer or written into every DeFi protocol right? Mm-hmm. Versus like, there's some KYC and there's some non-KYC. Mm-hmm. If we get to the point where KYC is like required in every DeFi protocol, like, right. Right. we're screwed, dude. Like, I think we lost the game. I think yeah. it's just like, that's part of our old nation state apparatus. Right. And that means crypto failed, in my opinion. Did you ever play RuneScape? No, I didn't. Okay, so in RuneScape, it was like a MMO RPG, and you had this physical map that you could walk around, and it was separated by two parts. They had the the normal world, which is like the campaign where you would go on all the quests, uh, and then it had like the wildy, which is where you could actually, if you stepped into the wildy, you were agreeing to be attacked by other players. Yeah. And so it was like the <laughs> PvP area, and so I kind of think that that's that's where it's going to be, and it's all protocols. 
it's all protocols through and through protocols on the top protocols on the bottom. Uh, but the bottom is that training wheels area where like, no, you can't attack other players. No, you can't exploit. No, you like blah, blah, blah. That is, that's the KYC side of DeFi. And then you go into the wildy where like, no, you have your own assets. You are responsible for your own aping. You do all your, you actually touch the protocols. And so my, my response to you is that no, I, there will always be non KYC protocols on Ethereum. Cause if you can build a, KYC protocol, you can build a non-KYC protocol. Like KYC is actually an addition, not an addition, a subtraction, right? So if any any known company comes and builds a protocol on Ethereum and it, it takes KYC, some rogue anonymous developer will take that same thing and, and build it permissionlessly on Ethereum as well. And then all of us who got used to Ethereum and DeFi without the KYC, uh, and hopefully we also teach more and more people how to do that, we will always prefer the non-KYC apps. So no, uh, KYC is not integrating on the protocol layer ever on Ethereum. Do you think uh, CBDCs are co-opting blockchain? And like, it's similar to like how your centralizing forces sort of uh, co-opted the internet, right? And now like we do everything in these mm-hmm. walled gardens, like um, Gmail or, or Twitter or right. Instagram or Facebook or, you know, yeah. We, and we don't actually use the base layer protocols anymore, which are the credibly neutral pieces. Mm. I think this is uh, just a, another story of repeating of uh, cool. We invented this cool thing and now the centralized forces are co-opting it and um, centralizing it and like, um, like meet the new boss and his old boss. Yeah. It's a little bit of a semantics thing, right? Because like I said, if, if China, actually proves out to do more good with its cbdc than bad then like to some degree is that co-opting or is that just like leveraging this technology that we created to do good in a different direction um but also yes co-opting in the sense that they're using our technology in a out domain that's outside of us um it's a semantics thing yeah so i just how do you measure what's good do you know what i mean these are these are the very the very hard things to to measure right so like um, you're unbanking one section of the population, right. but you also have the political ability now right. to like, right. um, it could be a gigantic rug pull of an entire population. Yeah, dude. Right. I, mm-hmm. it, this is very much what I worry about is like, we get all of this, um, Hey, we've banked all you guys. Now you do what we say. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we get all this like utility and we're just trading this utility and like mm-hmm. for our freedom, basically. Mm-hmm. And because we don't have like these digital liberties enshrined anywhere, right. um, mm-hmm. populations just become like subject to, you know, those in control. Um, that's what I worry about, but I, you know, I don't know. There, there's, there's also, what if the most successful optimal strategy is like one of centralization anyway. Right. And like, um, you know, what if, what if China is a, be, able to produce a better UX mm-hmm. than crypto because of its centralization? Right. The way it combines, you know, your credit score and your like your social credit score, as dystopian as that seems, maybe it's just like so damn easy for like the average Chinese citizen that it totally outcompetes anything we build right. in DeFi. Um, right. I'm kind of worried about that, to be honest. Totally. I think this is going to be. What are the main stories of this sec- maybe the second half of this decade as this ball really gets rolling um, to, to really see how successful China's CBDC can become and what DeFi can do about it. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, anything else, David, you want to talk about? Nothing for me. All right. I think we should have Richard on again. I think yeah. we should uh, monitor this more carefully. It's definitely on uh, my radar, like uh, mission accomplished on this episode. Um, yep. Yeah. Huge, uh, huge download of what, uh, what China is going to do in the future. So guys, mm -hmm. uh, thanks so much for hanging with us. This has been the debrief.